Hi, welcome. This is the Seattle Mama Doc Podcast, and I'm Dr. Wendy Sue Swanson. I'm here with Dr. Gretchen Goodmanson today to talk about depression, something I think all parents worry about, kind of wring their hands about, and certainly as a general pediatrician, I think about a lot. You know, we all work so hard to perfect how we pull off parenthood, and often we may not feel good enough. So I'm here today with Dr. Goodmanson to really help you face these challenges if you worry about depression in your kids or anyone in your family head on. Dr. Goodmanson, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. So Dr. Goodmanson is a clinical psychologist, and she works in the outpatient psychiatry clinic at Seattle Children's, and she gives therapy and counseling to kids and teens with depression. She also trains and supervises psychologists and psychiatrists really about children, their experience of depression, how to treat it, and how to really nurture and support research to make sure we do better and better. She's also a mom to two, so this is like real deal, amazing expertise. And when I asked her this morning kind of about her career and what she's proud of. I loved what she told me about what she thinks she's able to do, which is kind of wedding the experience of providing counseling and support um, to families and to teens specifically with depression, but also to kind of weave and sew in the research so that having an understanding of the clinical research around depression and what's effective and then really putting it to task. So I think we are in good hands. (laughs) Okay, so we're going to just start by, like, you know, I'll often say to kids, it's funny, we do screening now standardly, in part because of Academy of Pediatrics recommendations annually, particularly in kids, you know, over 11 years of age in clinic. So it's just part of our standard electronic medical record, even prompting now, which I love. Um, And we do standard screening with some, some, you know, tools. So we'll use the PHQ-2 or use the PHQ-9. Those, for families, are just checklists that kids can fill out to help us understand if they're feeling depressed. But sometimes when I'm talking with younger kids, I'll say, I'll ask, do you feel depressed at all? And they'll kind of, they'll say no or they'll say yes. And I say, do you know what that means? So, and of course kids don't. And I think sometimes parents don't. And I think all of us would love some defining. So what is depression? Yeah, depression is really tricky because the word gets thrown around a lot. And I think, mm-hmm. yeah, kids and adults alike don't necessarily know what it means. And certainly do, might not know what it means when a doctor is asking or a therapist is asking. But we um, really think of it as it's it's not just sad, it's not just down or going through a rough patch. That's a real natural part of life, of mm. course. Yes. <laughs> but it's really depression, clinical depression is when there is a change or in functioning that spans a few domains. So change in mood. So of course, being sad, it could also be kind of irritable or grumpy. Um, a change in thoughts. So maybe difficulty concentrating, difficulty with thoughts about feeling good about yourself, so being really hard on yourself, Uh, changes in behavior, sometimes less energy, harder to get out of bed, going through the motions. And in that, I mean, even kids will describe feeling heavy, like their bodies feel heavy. Yeah. You know, I didn't sleep very well the last couple of nights, and I even said (laughs) to my (laughs) colleague here, I was like, I felt leaden. You know, I mean, and I think kids feel like that, right? So it, yeah, like they're dragging or, and it can... It can even it can be that heaviness, and it can even also be. Um, I mean, obviously, a lot of these things can touch a lot of different domains or different disorders. But it can be um, pains in their uh, arms and legs, mm-hmm. stomach aches, headaches. So any of those aches and pains, again, those can come up. But if they're going together with this down mood, with the low energy, with the negative thoughts, and it's lasting 
a couple weeks or more, that's when you start to think, oh, wait a second, is this depression? Is this something I should get checked out? Um, and it's tricky because, again, all that stuff can happen in a day or there yeah. might be a good reason for it. But especially if it's going together, lasting a long time, and then you really want to pay attention if it's messing up with their functioning. So like, they don't want to go to school, they don't want to go to soccer, and they usually do, or they don't want to see their friends. When all that comes together, to me, that's when I say depression, that's what I'm thinking about. Yeah. And typically, um, you know, to your point, it doesn't have to come from a big change in life or something mm -hmm. that's traumatic, but it can, right? And yeah. when it persists out of a week or two, and it's a daily experience of you thinking about your your child dragging around. Um, I was just I was just thinking about the the movie, the Pixar movie from last year. Um, oh, yeah. And well, what's it called? I can't remember. I know. I'm, oh, I'm blanking on it. I'm thinking about the character depressed, like the depressed, well, the sadness. Joy, joy and, and sadness. And what's it called? Inside, inside out. out. I was going to yes. say yes, inside, inside out. out. We had to get a tip there from the, the sound <laughs> gallery. Um, inside out. So, you know, like that, remember the um, the blue, like the depressed sadness. sadness yeah. And like she drags around. I remember that one time when she's kind of going up the stairs and she touched all the little balls and everything turns blue. You know what I mean? It's just like everything can be so overwhelming, right, when a child's potentially, right, suffering yeah. from depression. What do you think about when people ask, um, you know, so I think uh, just as a, a, to frame this up in some ways, it's it's how a child feels, it's how a child acts, but it's also somatically, really, like how does their body do yeah. in a day? And and when I when I talk to families about that, and when I what I'd love to hear from you is, you know, people will say, well, it's because it's chemical, right? What does that mean to you when, when somebody asks you that? Like, how would you respond? Is depression chemical? I would give one of those probably annoying responses in that <laughs> kind okay. of, it depends. Yeah. Um, so it can be. There, there's sort of a chemical component. So I think you hear about neurotransmitters like serotonin and dopamine. And those that, are things inside our brain. So how our brain cells communicate by pushing these little chemicals from one cell to another. Exactly. And for some, a, a given kid, it might really be driven by that. And yep. it might be um, sort of a part of their genetics um, and a part of their brain, but another kid, and actually most people to some degree, it's it's not just chemical. It's going to be pushed around by stuff going on in their life, um, and it could be, I mean, I think big losses like a divorce or the loss of a grandparent or mm -hmm. something, or even just a loss of a best friend in some way. You know, a falling yeah. out that yeah. can that can push around, or it can be just loading up of stressors like things like. One thing after another. Starting middle school, I'm like, oh my goodness, I have to figure out so many teachers uh -huh. and ways to go. And and again, a lot of kids are going to figure all that stuff out. But it's yep. um, so to me, you know, I don't think of that as chemical, but it's kind of your world or your environment pushing you around, particularly stresses. Yeah, and I, I think chemical, in some ways, people use that word because they're talking about brain cells and communication, yeah. and they're even thinking about the therapies that target. So some of the medications, right, that target quote unquote those chemicals. But it also kind of can take a load off that it's about the wiring of a child, right? That some yeah. kids may be predisposed to suffer from or have challenges with depression in their life. Who who are those kids that are more at risk? So kids that are more at risk include kids who have a family history. So if they have um, one or two parents, then they're at increased risk, about four times risk of right. having so your depression mom or as your well. dad has had depression, four times the risk for a yeah. child. Yeah. Yeah. So, and again, that's part genetics yeah. um, and part um, temperament. So we, you know, share kind of uh -huh. how we are. Um, are we kind of a more Eeyore or sadness type oh, character yeah. versus someone with, you know, a <laughs> high energy? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but people, uh, one point on that. I mean, I think 
people can fool you, right? In the sense of high energy and irritability to your point earlier that not all depression looks like sadness character from inside out, right? Some, or you are, like you're, I love love that (laughs) reference. Some of it can look like being withdrawn or being moody or being angry or being um, snappy. Sna- yeah, snappy. Mm-hmm. And teenagers just are that way, right? Yeah. In some ways because they're figuring life out. But um, so depression has different colors, right? I mean, yeah. I think it's important to remember that. And I would say even more so with kids than adults. It, it's the case that it's it's relatively recent that we even would say that kids could have depression. So mm-hmm. 40 years ago, that was just not a diagnosis we would give a kid. So it's relatively new. And so recognizing it kids in kids is a little different. So sometimes it's less about sadness and more about irritability mm-hmm. or anger. And again, I think like you were saying at the beginning, you know, you, you can't just necessarily ask a kid, are you depressed? And they'll say yes. Right. And then right. you know. Right, right, right. And so it's sort of this confusing concept a little bit. And, um, and so it can get tricky. So, so let's talk also as well, like, who are the kids that typically de- get depressed? So you had mentioned in some of your guidance, you know, of course, kids don't have, even though 40 years ago we didn't say that at all, we do know some kids have it, but it's rare. It's really the bulk is teenagers who suffer from challenges with depression. Exactly. So it's, and there's some interesting work on this. So I think for the most part, it's a, we think of it as a teenage disorder. So that's when it really comes online and mm-hmm. starts to approach how it ends up being in adulthood in the sense that... At the end of, um, by the end of adolescence, about one in five kids will have had a depressive disorder. And that's about, that sticks. So that's a, a, that doesn't go much higher into adulthood. So, so that's really when we think of it coming online. It can happen in kids. It's, it's much more rare. So before adolescence and really before puberty, it's more driven by puberty than age Mm -hmm. in terms of what causes it to come about. Um, But in kids, it's really only about 1%. Yeah, to go yeah. one in a hundred to one yes. in twenty. Yeah, so these hormones do something to us, right? About mm-hmm. how our brains respond, maybe to the environment, to the support we feel, and then potentially even chemically how our mm-hmm. brains are after puberty. So there are some gender differences and some kind of life experience differences. Tell us about those. Yeah, so the gender differences also uh, line up a little bit with some of the age and developmental differences. So in again, in little kids, while it's rare, it's a teeny tiny bit more common in boys than girls. Mm. And then when you start to hit puberty, 11, 12, 13, it, it equals out. And then starting around 15, you start to creep up and the ratio is two to one. So girls, women and girls, and then adult women are twice as likely to have it than Mm. boys. So I think the message is that, you know, if, if you have a daughter, you know, over the course of adolescence, they might be at increased risk, but I think it's important to not leave out boys too. Yeah, of that, course. Yeah, yeah. That they could get it too. But girls do have that increased risk, as, particularly as you hit the teenage years. Do, does anyone know why? Oh, there are a lot of theories about it. I don't, we don't have definitive data on that, but some of it is related to, um, you know, there's uh, girls tend to, as you move from having friendships and closeness with your parents, as you move to more, um, more reliance on your peer relationships, mm. that can be a little bit more complicated for girls, and they might put more weight in that. 
and to the degree that they're kind of go up and down during the teenage years, that yeah. that can really affect emotions. And then in the teenage years, too, I mean, I think we were chatting before we started recording, you know, about the LGBTQ crowd and particularly teens who have questions or are exploring their sexuality. Tell, tell us about that and how it's different and a risk factor for depression. Yeah, so when I think about the um, LGBTQ youth that, you know, they're at increased risk of depression, and I think it's complicated, and I think it links into why adolescence is even a risk factor, because mm -hmm. part of it, you know, a big shift, you have puberty, you have these kind of <laughs> yes. attraction feelings and romantic feelings that are kind of confusing for anyone, and then if you're not falling in line with sort of what's you see in the movies and on TV, um, it might be hard and stressful and you don't quite understand what's going on. So a lot of times there's this sort of um, difficulty reconciling what they're feeling with what they think they're supposed to be feeling and how to talk about it. And um, of course, there's a lot of stigma and discrimination um, with LGBTQ youth. Um, so again, that just increases increases the likelihood that they might withdraw from a uh -huh. variety of relationships. Might, they might keep things private. They might have some shame. Um, and sometimes, huh. again, depending what their values are, their family values are, it might be hard to see a future for the, themselves. They're not quite sure what that's going to look like. So what is the numbers? Do you have some epidemiology on, you know, kids questioning their sexuality during adolescence or identifying as um, homosexual or identifying as trans or queer? Like what does does that change the percentage of the likelihood of being depressed? It does. And unfortunately, I don't have those at my fingertips. Yeah. But um, it's I want to say it's in more is instead of over the course of adolescence, 20 percent, it's yeah. more around 30, 40 percent. Yeah, and risks of suicide, we know, too, are higher, um, or attempts of suicide are even higher in kids who are questioning their sexuality. So I think the message for pediatricians and family docs and parents is really, um, if there's concerns about questioning and sexuality, it's really important that you check in about mood, right, and ways to support a child if they're shame or if they're feeling withdrawn or if they're starting to exhibit some of the symptoms we already reviewed. Exactly. So, yeah. And if, if that's mm -hmm. something, because sometimes it can be tricky to talk to a parent about it, so it just might be that you're wanting to be sure they're talking yeah. to someone, yeah. whether it's an aunt or uncle or a cousin or a teacher or coach. Somebody. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons I, I you know, I, I go back to this a lot, but that we, you know, we, we politely, I was going to say kick out, but we politely ask parents to leave the exam room <laughs> when kids, like just standardly when kids are 13 and up, just so we can ask these kinds of hard questions to kids to say, are you worried about how you feel? Do you feel like you're making good decisions? You know, are you questioning your sexuality? Because we want to find them a safe place that if they need some support in someone else who they maybe won't feel biased from, or if family values have taught them something different that they can find, I think, a sense of belonging. Um, Absolutely. And care that way. Well, so let's, you know, as, as we end, so I think, you know, we've talked a little bit about what is depression, the symptoms that include, you know, just being maybe irritable, being kind of droopy, being sad, acting that way, not wanting to do activities they've wanted to do before. Um, you know, the other thing I think we can't fail to mention is really how a child sleeps and how a child eats. That mm -hmm. oftentimes when we're concerned about challenges in mood or we're concerned about challenges with sleep, I back and forth go between how is their mood and how is that affecting. So let's talk quickly about the interaction between sleep and depression. So it's really important to pay attention to both from a, trying to detect if that's what's going on and also in when you're thinking about treatment. But um, so sleep uh, with 
depressed kids can get messed up in a variety of ways. So they might have trouble falling asleep, mm -hmm. staying asleep, mm -hmm. getting up earlier than they want to get up. Mm -hmm. They might sleep more. They might sleep less. So really what you're looking for is change in sleep. Mm -hmm. um, and again, in the sense that they kind of go back and forth with one another, that's just a good thing for a lot of reasons, but specifically for depression to make sure that you're child and adolescent is getting enough sleep since there's an increased need um, for sleep during this this time and there's an, you know they have homework they have sports they have, yeah life can be overwhelming it's hard to fit it in but Absolutely. it's really important to prioritize particularly if your kid is at risk of of depression yeah so and I think you know we're going to talk more in another podcast about how we help support kids who are diagnosed with depression or challenged with depressed feelings and correcting that sleep can be magic. <laughs> like if I feel like if there's a silver bullet when it comes to, um, you know, kids who are struggling with a, a low mood or struggling with depression, if you can in some ways correct how they eat and you can correct how they sleep and move their body during the day and getting out in that sunlight, it can be wonders. So we'll, we'll talk more about that. So, you know, when, when does a family or a child, if they're listening, but when do we need to get help? Like what is it that happens in life where you say, I need to call my pediatrician or I need to call the family doc or I need to call and get a referral for a behavioral health counselor or a therapist. What what should we tell families to know as the signs to do that? I would say a couple things come to mind. I think parents should have a pretty low threshold. So if you're mm -hmm. worried and Agreed. again you're seeing that it's persisting, um, that your your kid is different, you're the expert. And if your kid is acting a little bit different and it's been a couple weeks, um, even if it's sort of there's a you know, you kind of might know why or you might not know why. Um, you want to approach your kid about it and you want to go to the pediatrician and get that screen. Yep. You um, want to have the your school-based health clinic do some screening. So I think you want to just, given what we know about kind of how untreated depression can really affect a kid, you I think you want to check it out sooner rather than later. So what's the risk of untreated depression? So what's the risk if parents get worried or don't notice or don't um, have the resources they need to support their child? The risk is that untreated depression will really grow. And mm. so uh, it's important that, you know, the longer something like that goes on, the, the bigger it gets. And so uh, you can have, um, you know, a depressed episode can last for a couple weeks. It can even last a whole school year. So mm -hmm. you think about all the how hard it is to have depression, but also what you're missing out on, making friends, doing well in school. And so it just, it doesn't go away. So I think the risk is that it'll persist and that it'll get worse. And how many, when you, when a teen gets diagnosed with depression at 15 or 17, how many of those teens will go on to be depressed throughout their lifetime or have episodes of recurrent bouts of depression? The the hard news is that the large majority will. It, we think of it as a chronic recurrent disorder, uh, which is why another reason why treatment is so important is yeah. because particularly lifestyle changes and behavioral treatment give Just it off. Yeah, well, and they yeah. give families and teens skills. So you start yeah. you start to know what is depression for me, and how do I know when I'm either at risk or you know, that I need to shore up. And, you know, when I transition to college, I need to make sure I sleep well and mm -hmm. eat well. Mm -hmm. um, Which and is make... hard to do in college, basically. <laughs> yeah. Let alone for anyone who's got a challenge, knowing that that can be a trigger or an inciting 
um, change that could make it harder for them. So because treatment, yeah, it can really skills. just it might not mean that you'll never have depression again, but yeah. you can make it shorter, less severe. You can just really create a lifestyle and awareness about yourself that carries you for the rest of your life. Yeah, and as a reminder, treatment then will mean changes in how a child eats, changes in how a child sleeps, the environment in which they live. Um, usually seeing a clinical psychologist or counselor and sometimes even medications, which we'll talk about a little bit more too. So last things to say, right? Depression is both a combination of a child's genetics, their wiring, maybe some chemicals in their brain, but also triggers in their lives and then kind of coping skills and just kind of who they are and how they're wired. Um, You know, there are kids who are at bigger and higher risk for being depressed than others. That includes just teens. Being a teenager and having the hormones and puberty happen will change the risk. Um, There are differences where we know that girls in the end and women are at higher risk than boys, but in young childhood, it might be boys that are more risk. That early adversity or trauma or stressful life experiences and loss can trigger it and, you know, other challenges in life. And then including just the sense of belonging as you're growing and developing and living in this population that can be scrutinizing. If you feel you don't belong in some ways or you feel shameful, you might be at more risk, which brings to mind the LGBT youth, kids who are questioning their sexuality or identifying with a um, non-heterosexual sexuality pattern or ideas. So get help when your kids have multiple symptoms at once that last for more than a week or two. If they're really droopy, if they're really irritable, if they're really moody, if there's been a big change or a risk, don't hesitate to start thinking carefully about how they're sleeping and eating, but talking with a health professional, including your general pediatrician who really knows and wants to help you navigate a system. And then if you need it, we want you to see someone like Dr. Goodmanson um, and get this support and understanding moving forward. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. You know, the reality is parenting is a high stakes job, but the good news is you've got this. Thanks for listening. The Seattle Mama Doc podcast episodes air every single week. I'm always interested in hearing what you have to say, what was helpful and what you want to learn more about reach out to me on Twitter at Seattle Mama Doc, on my Facebook, Seattle Mama Doc, or at seattlemamadoc.com. Tell me what you want to learn. Tell me if you want to join me and point me to experts you'd love to learn more from. 